Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Oh, I'm excited. I tell you, I'm sure all of you are excited too. Because on this episode of the Daikaiju discussion for this month, we are going to be talking about a film celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. The classic Mothra vs. Godzilla. Yeah, AKA dude. known as Godzilla vs. The Thing from 1964. Dude, nice work. Thank you. <laughs> I'm appreciating this. Yes. For this episode, I'm going to be known as DJ Mothra Junkie Jeff. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think you should be Kaiju Kyle Kamanga Yount. Oh, I like it. You like it? Dude, you're really good at this uh, right off the top of your head. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, welcome to the Kaiju Cast. Very special episode because Jeff is uh, here for a Mothra movie. I think it's been a while, right? It, it has, I think the last Mothra movie we watched here was a like Mothra 2 or something like that. Something. Which, something which is not, like that. Which, which is not a highlight, I think. What? You don't like Mothra 2? No, I mean, it's okay, but I'm, you know, I'm just If you saying. have insomnia, it's great to go to sleep to. I know you like Mothra, <laughs> and that's why I, I wanted you to do the intro, of course. Uh, this is episode 103 of the Kaiju Cast for February 2014, and like Jeff said, we are going to be talking about Mothra versus Godzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla versus The Thing. Joining me in the studio, I'm Kyle, obviously. We've got Julian. Hello. Who hasn't been here for a little while. Welcome back. Hello. Nice to be here. Brian and Rachel Cook. Hey there. Hey, what's up? Mr. Martin Favre. Hey, folks. Jeff, of course, who we already heard from. Hello. <laughs> with his amazing intro. And Adam Alexander is back from the Monster Project. Always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we do have a metric ton of kaiju news to talk about in this particular episode. So we are going to be getting to that after the discussions, which are going to be quite long. I'll uh I'll be very honest with you. We got what I said, nineteen yeah, submissions. 19. That's pretty good, you guys. Well done, listeners. Is that a record or is that not? Uh, not I don't think a record, it's a. Right? I don't think it's a record. I yeah. think the record was Pacific Rim because yeah. that just came out and everybody was super excited for it. Um, but we do have some requests, and we are going to start those requests off by playing Attack of Super X Three, and that is for Ben, and then we're going to follow that up with Sacred Springs, and that is for Danny.
up, everybody. Wake up. It's time to watch our movie now. Uh, that was Attack of Super X3, and then, uh, which was, of course, uh, actually, Attack of Super X3 would have been Akira Fukube from Godzilla vs. Destroyer. Uh, that was for Ben. And then Sacred Springs 2 by Akira Fukube was from Godzilla vs. Mothra. Not Mothra vs. Godzilla, which is, of course, our movie for this evening. And speaking of, once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this show will keep going for a long, long time. And I just have a short intro here. 50 years ago, Toho decided to capitalize on the success of their huge hit, King Kong vs. Godzilla by pitting the king of monsters against another kaiju in their roster. The mightiest monster in all creation, Mothra. Godzilla. Terror monster of the motion picture screen meets The Thing. Godzilla versus The Thing. Innocent looking, but so feared pagan man worshipped it. The battle of gigantic forces spreading terror across the world. Can man's inventions conquer them? See in color and terror scope. Godzilla versus the thing. And we just finished watching Mothra versus Godzilla, aka Godzilla versus the Thing. And uh, you know, I don't want everybody to start all at once, but I know a majority of this room has seen it before. I know one person has not seen it all the way through, and that would be Martin Vavra. I don't think I'd ever seen any part of it ever at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, that surprises me because I always thought that uh, this is one of those movies that you just you can't really get away from like Godzilla versus the thing or Mothra versus Godzilla is just something that's constantly there really but what did you think so I have to say first off I was really kind of disappointed with the Godzilla suit really I, wow. wow really oh. yeah okay. there's huh. so many times in there where where Godzilla is roaring and there's no jaw movement there's no mouth there's no oh, nothing. okay and there's kind of this I'm assuming it's the area where the suit actor is able to see this little loose sack oh, area. The yeah, yeah, right in the front of the flapping neck. Flapping yeah, around yeah. the whole time. I was actually really shocked by that. And it, it really stuck out through the whole movie how... And on this particular one, Godzilla's hands almost never do anything. They're almost always in the same position. They're almost always doing the exact same thing. That actually kind of bugged me. Interesting. Well, I think this might be the very first uh, episode where we get hate mail, or where you very specifically get hate mail. <laughs> but that, but that's, that surprises me that would be the case, because of what I have seen so far, I've uh, uh, there was one other one that was really bad, but there have been a lot better suits. This is oh, like so good. definitely one of the most beloved suits in, uh, Why in the that? franchise. I think it looks completely awesome. I love this suit. This is actually... 
of the. Um, but it doesn't move. It doesn't do anything compared to uh, what it does. the other suits do. I'm disagreeing with you. I mean, I don't want to like watch the. Okay, I do want to watch the movie again <laughs> and fast forward it through and point point. I think uh, it's like the head design is what makes it really stand out. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hooded the eyes, yeah, and yeah, the. It's Even it's like one that. of the only Godzilla's not the only one, but one of the only ones that has like little fangs. It's actually the last one to have fangs for quite some time. This uh this suit debuted in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How many more movies did it uh Well, appear in? if you're talking about the main the main suit, so the main one that's being used for this film, for the film, it's really this one and Ghidra the three-headed monster. And then it gets used in other areas of tokusatsu right um in the future but uh not you know this is the only this one and Ghidra the three-headed monster are the only films where this suit was used and Ghidra the three-headed monster what happens like so uh when Godzilla's lip is shaking did you guys notice the quivering that's um always like that yeah this is this is something that a lot of people notice and like about that is that uh you know his lip shakes but that's actually because the suit broke and uh, it, it came unglued right there. And so they fixed it, fixed it in quotation marks for Gita the, th- the Three-Headed Monster. Anyway, that's that's fine. What else What else uh, did you think about this film? Well, like I mentioned in there earlier, I was not expecting that ending. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I didn't... I- I didn't. I didn't know. I'm sure there's not going to be any spoiler alerts needed for this thing. But yeah, I didn't. <laughs> not for a 50 year old didn't, film. <laughs> didn't realize that Mothra was going to die and that there was going to be twin larvae in the in the egg and that they were the two were going to be the saviors that then swim off. I I had no idea. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's interesting. You know, so, some of these show of films have been very very uh, fun to watch. Obviously, with the group, and it's definitely interesting to hear your take on these films. I really want to go back and watch some of the newer ones with you again now to no, sort of <laughs> now that you've got perspective of what happened in the older films. Uh, when we reboot the discussion, that's going to be an interesting, interesting onion to peel the yeah, layers because off from for here, sure. I don't know what I in the lineage of stories, if we were to follow them in order, is that the next film that features Mothra in any way, are there two of them or... Is there only one? Uh, is this a- well, in Gija the Three-Headed Monster, which we watched uh, last year, right? Yes, we watched sometime last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Mothra fin... Oh my gosh. The Mothra fairies say uh, that one of the one of the babies died, but you don't ever get to see that in the movie. That's just a... Oh, see, I, I didn't remember that. And not having seen this one before, I didn't... Oh, I yeah, you wouldn't have know caught the it. reference. Yeah. 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 You ne- definitely would not have caught that. They say that in the American translation? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never caught that as a kid. I always just chalked it up to the same reason that there were two Rodans, and then there were one, and, and Godzilla was dead. Same, and then he same was reason for Rodan, though. One of them died. <laughs> no, but they both <laughs> appeared to die in the end of Rodan. But anyway... Uh, we should move on to initial thoughts. Adam, you were the last person talking. So when was the last time you saw Mothra versus Godzilla? Um, probably within the last year or two, just kind of, uh, popping it on. I, I also was pretty amazed that, uh, Martin had not seen this one because, uh, it's the one I've probably seen the most. It's the one that I saw the most on TV growing up, um, that was always on. It's the one I'm most familiar with. But this is obviously the most attentive I've been to watching it uh, in some time. Yeah. Um, and I'd have to say, I also, 
for as much as this movie probably is the, has the greatest amount of nostalgia for me from my youth, um, and as much as I think it's one of the greatest Godzilla entrances in any of oh, the yeah. series, his first appearance coming out of the ground like that, yeah, yeah, um, I I agree that the suit is a step down from the previous movies. That uh, the it's less sinister. Uh, Godzilla's more upright and less like hunched and therefore a little bit less menacing. Interesting. You find, okay, so, uh, you find this suit less menacing than the King Kong versus Godzilla suit, this dude up there on the corner? Yeah, yeah, I would, I think the King Kong suit's, uh, facial features look more menacing. The eyes look less tired and more. Oh, yeah, he does have, he does have a little bit of that tired thing going on. You can see the teeth more, and the gait of it is even more like "I'm coming to get you" versus "I have not had my coffee yet." And- <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a when I was watching it one of the times in the past like five years, I totally wanted to subtitle Godzilla every time he like roars right when he wakes up and through the first attack, where like he's just like. What happened last night? <laughs> I remember drinking the berry juice with Kong. And then <laughs> he's just like hung over and waking up from a bad party. And then he gets his tail caught in the, in the tower. Yeah, because and he's the like, tail caught in the tower. And then when he basically trips into the, the castle. The castle yeah. Yep. Yeah. See, it's like, it's a bad hangover movie. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Jeff? What are your initial thoughts on this guy? I mean, this is one of my, favorite in in top five for sure right of, of the kaiju films i just think in my opinion this is like the film where everything kind of came together and like every aspect is um is great in this film i think the acting the effects the music i kind of like in this film too like goldfinger in the james okay. series where everything just kind of meshed together and this is like you know the uh the zenith yeah the, i Dude, I you're not going to get an argument from me out of that. I absolutely love this film. <laughs> it's uh it's I and I you make you bring up a really good point and that's the acting. Um and I think the reason I'm I'm I want to hone in on the acting for a second is that not only do you get a great performance from the original Japanese actors, uh and I actually did watch the Japanese version a couple or last night or yesterday sometime. Uh so I was able to see the performance. But the voice actors, the dubbers that worked for Titra that did this movie, like, I love the dub, even though, yes, I know it's a little cheesy and some people might think it's not PC because they're giving them some pretty staccato accents and stuff like that. But it's really, really um, it's as, as nostalgic for me as it can be, because this is, you know, a lot of people know that I didn't actually watch these movies until I was much older but I really, really enjoy the performances of both the actual actors I'm seeing and the actors I'm hearing. It's uh it's great. Great stuff for me. Uh Brian, what about you, man? You see probably seen this movie about five million times, right? Probably. This yeah. is this is one of the ones I've seen the most. And uh yeah, this is definitely in the top top five or top ten. And uh I was actually going to say that uh even though everyone loves the suit, I was going to make fun of it for having a floppy jaw. That's the only thing I would make fun of it uh, okay. for. But then these guys blasted it, which is shocking. <laughs> so, 
But uh, I like that uh, the Goldfinger analogy. That's really well said. I that, agree. Uh, everything kind of gels. It's the first time all the formula elements are kind of all firing on all cylinders. It's great. Yeah, we were talking earlier about you know the apex of Toho's filmmaking, and this being part of that apex. I <laughs> totally agree with that statement. Yeah, and not just the Godzilla series, yeah, yeah. Toho in general for like sixty one through like sixty. 667 probably not even just toho it's probably just the japanese this is like the, like i've said before many many times over like the japanese uh cinema the golden era of it basically yeah rachel how many well, times have you seen this movie i think this is probably probably my third time yeah i would say um but i i think that i can i'm a twin and so i for some reason I can just I get a kick out of twin stuff, and so cool. <laughs> I guess because I'm a twin, I guess I could say. Uh, so I like the the fairies. I've always loved the Mothra yeah. fairies, and um and the weird egg stuff and constant egg comments kind of. The really strong egg theme going yes, on through this movie kind of reminded me a little bit of the '66 Batman with Eggman. Yeah. Just, you know, egg Although they didn't Excellent. do the egg puns, yeah. yes. Uh, but lots of. Surely you must be yoking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I got a kick out of that. I just he just pulls an egg out of his pocket. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, normal, right? That, yeah, totally. I think uh, that's cholesterol check. <laughs> that guy is you, Fujiki, and and uh, you might remember him as the guy with the corns in King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, he's the second part of the two part comedy team that's really doing that. Uh, and then he's also in Atragon as well. He's, he's peppered out through a couple other movies, but really this one and King Kong versus Godzilla are, are my favorite roles for him. And specifically his interaction with June Tazaki, the editor of the newspaper is just priceless mm -hmm. for me. It goes, it, they do go a little over the top with the egg references every once in a while, but it's still, I love it. It was excellent. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Mr. Julian, welcome back, by the way. It's, Thank you. It's good to have Thank you back. You. Sorry, this is my last. Studio performance. Well, never say never. Never. That's true. Yeah. I'll be visiting my folks when they move up here. So cool. Cool. So, anyway, what are your initial thoughts on seeing this one? Well, it sounds like I'm the, the first time I ever saw this one was actually in the theaters, um, for a kid's matinee. So I could see it on the big screen. That's awesome. And my mom had grounded me the day before and I was devastated because I thought I'm never going to see a Godzilla movie, you know, at a theater again. So yeah. my mom ungrounded me and waited till after the movie and then regrounded me. That's really sweet. But I just really love that. I mean, the scene where um, he comes out of the ground. I mean, I remember me and all my friends just being like, wow. I mean, just yeah. blown away by just seeing it on that kind of... Because we're used to seeing it on the TV with the pan and scan. Totally. So yeah. when you see it in full color on a big screen, it really blew our minds away. So, and I noticing it now, like I mentioned before, I really like the detailing. I noticed on fender damage on some of the vehicles that were just parked in parking lots and stuff. It's like, really amazing the miniature effects, effects are awesome in yeah. this movie i mean there's always going to be little tiny things that are like not as realistic yeah but man the my favorite miniature is the uh the guys on the boats going out to the egg yeah it looks fantastic mm -hmm. yeah they look i mean i think 
I didn't even realize that those were miniatures for many, many years after after finally watching the movie. Uh, yeah, man, I I'm a huge fan of the of the special effects work in this film. I, I think before we watched it, I even said something along the lines of. There's not a bad shot in this movie. Of course, that's not true. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I think my, I, you know, initial reactions for me are harder to do since I've been watching the movie recently. I've probably watched it maybe about four or five times within the last like few years. Um, and this is one of my favorite Godzilla suits and it's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. And to me, and I'm sure I'll mention this later, this movie does represent the last time in the Showa era that Godzilla's just a total badass, sure, a sleepy badass that, like, has a little bit of a problem moving around, but once he gets up and running and he starts getting attacked, I think he's the best Godzilla, really. I like this one much better than the 54 and than any other of the of the Showa era, at least. Until you get into the Heisei stuff when he really gets another badass personality. I think this is the ultimate Godzilla from the Showa era. What do you guys love about the film? Um, I love all the supporting characters. I think are great. The villains, Kenji Sahara. Oh, he's awesome. Um, and uh, you know the uh, what's his name was the egg guy. Uh, uh, Yufujiki. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're just great supporting, very entertaining. It's like whenever they're on screen, you're never really you know bored or disappointed or anything. Yeah, this is another one of those films like Monster Zero for me, where I I do feel that the human cast really propels the scenes forward. That that don't include monsters, even though there's a lot of monster action in this way more than, uh, than, uh, monster zero, which is of course, and I love the, the score. top of my list. I think the score is like one of the best. Um, oh, I have something to say about the score. So as you're going in chrono- uh, chronological order with American releases, this is like with the exception of Mothra. So this is only obviously what the fourth Godzilla movie, but, uh, every Godzilla movie has been completely doctored up for the score. And then this is like the first time that Ifukube's true score, or the original score, I will say, uh, was really heard in a Godzilla film. And I think that's because it's so awesome. There's not even a lot that's really changed from the Japanese to the American version, which I think is really, really awesome. Really uh, stands to show us today that this is a, a classic film. And the last thing I'll say, um, what I love about it is just the serious tone you have, especially after coming from, um, you know, the previous film. Yeah. Which is very kind of lighthearted and, you know, campy that they really just kind of reversed it. And this one's, you know, and it works, I think. Yeah. I think it's serious and it has like comedy elements in the right places. Cause I, I don't think I honestly, with the exception of like things that I know about behind the scenes information, like, uh, Haru and Nakajima attacking the castle didn't work out so well the first time, so they had to redo it. Like that kind of stuff, with the exception of the accidental humor, and it, there's just not that much of it. So the real comedy is, for me, is the stuff that they was they were trying to be funny with. What about you, man, Adam? What do I love about that? Well, I'd, I'd actually have to. This is this is playing to my character, but uh, the music is stupendous. It, it's the most. It's definitely one of the probably the last great sinister Godzilla theme, um, the one that that opens the the film and as with most Godzilla movies plays nearly ad nauseum throughout the entire thing. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is the last uh, movie where Godzilla is just uh, well of the of the Showa era that he's an out and out villain. 
Um, and I enjoy that. And I actually did really enjoy the human cast and the performances. It occurred to me that another thing that this is a last of, uh, is it's the last movie before they start bringing in the aliens and the undersea people and the gorilla people. And, um, which invariably added just this, this, uh, campiness to it that that this movie lacks and in fact even the the one uh like on not very grounded thing which is the twins um are handled extremely well great performances the special effects on them are stupendous right up one thing i never really thought about as a kid was those scenes that they shoot with the twins where they build the huge room props to make it look like they're Mm -hmm. Um, more than just blue screen stuff, that's just a little extra effort that sells you. All around, as far as the human performances, the special effects, it's not just a good movie for a Godzilla movie. It's a good movie. It's right. Well yeah. done. Very nice. I totally agree with that. Mr. Vavra. What uh, did you love about this film? There, There's got to be something. There. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying you hated it, but... Uh, and I didn't. What I, stands out? I actually really in, enjoyed this film. There was just the one particular thing about the suits that that you know the suit that i had mentioned in there but no i i think the stuff first off the uh the the enlarged sets that the uh mothra twins were on i thought those were really cool i thought that was really well done and there was a couple of times where i was looking and trying to say all right where does the matte painting start and where does the the large set pieces go because that they did a really great job with those and this is one uh, the point that you made about the fact that there's a lot of action in this one there's plenty of times in these movies where you kind of get this good dose of action at the beginning and you get the great dose at the end. Yeah. And then yeah. there's this long drag out. And, and honestly, I think it's with what Adam mentioned. I think that when it's the gorillas or the, the alien, like all the varieties of aliens and all of those things, when it's the cosmic zaps, mm-hmm. they seem to spend <laughs> a lot of time trying to really build that story and everything else with it. And, and because this doesn't have that. It's now there's a cosmic zap. Yeah. They've got, they had, yeah. they had really solid characters doing really solid things. And then they had this, the great action that was in there. I, so it was paced really well. It was, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, I love aliens and obviously I'm a Planet X fan and, um, I'm definitely in the camp of, uh, of camp. I, I totally enjoy the, the campiness of these films, but there's definitely something to be said about the realism that is in Mothra versus Godzilla keeping in mind that the reality that we're dealing with in the inside of the film is uh <laughs> he still monster. has a giant <laughs> moth and giant you know lizards this and they're incredibly they're real for, for with, Mothra twin fairies with little fairies <laughs> yeah uh yeah but there's excellent points excellent points uh, Brian what about you man what do you love about Mothra versus Godzilla Wow, these guys said a lot of the things that I was thinking of saying. Um, uh, for me, uh, I have a lot of love for this movie because it's, it's, it's very nostalgic because it was one of the most accessible movies. Uh, it was on, it was on TV a lot. It was, you know, available on Laserdisc and it was available on, you know, tape. You could easily get it. And it's, it's, yeah, like, like Jeff said, it just, it kind of, you know, the formula settled into place. These guys took everything that I was going to say is what happened. <laughs> we'll come back around on the on the hatred so you get to go first or not first but in the first three. What about you Rachel? What do you, what is your favorite part about this movie? 
I love seeing all the different forms of Mothra. I think it's great to see the giant egg and then you get to see, you know, the, the larva and that it's twins and, um, and seeing, you know, the, the full form Mothra. What do you call that? The adult the Mothra. Adult yeah, Mothra. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome. All the different versions. I, I know it's such a simple concept, but I think it's great that they did it in huge monster form. I I agree. Now, have you you seen the original Mothra? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Did you did you also love the the different forms of Mothra in that too? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I love. That's something I love about the character itself. I would say is that you get to see her the transformation know, the transformation. Process, yes. It's great. I dig it. It I and you know you get to see the baby version. Yeah. And I love baby versions of monsters. Yeah. It, I think in, <laughs> uh, this one is a little bit different because a lot of times in the Mothra series, you see a larva turning into a moth, but this is mm-hmm. almost the opposite. You see the moth die, the adult die, and you see, you know, larva hatch from the egg, which is, I mean, yeah. you see that in other films as well, but like, it's, it's a very unique way That's to a- show it in this film. It's different from what happened three years earlier in 1961 with the original Mothra film. Mm-hmm. Julian, what do you love about Mothra versus Godzilla? I think this film actually shows that how they evolved over the years, how they started in 54, started doing other science fiction and monster movies. And mm-hmm. this one was just like the crowning achievement, everything that they, all the mistakes they had made and they learned from it. And it's just a grander scale. Um, the script is great. The cast, the top three cast members are just they play off each other really well and i mean i don't know what else to say everyone yeah. else took the words right up. i was it's just fun to watch yeah man i don't even i mean technically i guess i'm going last when i'm talking about like the one thing that i love the most about this film i i mean i would have to say it's probably this the story itself and like you mentioned the script and the script is fantastic and yeah yeah i don't it's I'm not at a loss for words necessarily, but it, you guys have brought up a lot of really good points, uh, you know, and just kind of coming back to the, this is the pinnacle of, of Japanese cinema, this era, this time that we're talking about. It really shows in this film. I love the script. I love the actors. I love the dubbing. I love the monsters. Mm-hmm. And I give Mothra a pretty, uh, hard time, uh, often in, in, uh, especially in the past years, but, you know, that's, that's because, let me finish, Jeff. <laughs> that's because I feel that she was overused in a sense. Yeah. And, and because this is like, chronologically speaking, very fresh take on, on, uh, on a monster because you only have one movie with Mothra in it. I really do appreciate Mothra as the villain in this film. Now, a lot of people don't, but I know that, uh, with this movie, I'm absolutely in the Mothra camp. Mothra is awesome in this film. Uh, what I will say that I don't like about this film is I don't like that it's over. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I really don't have anything really negative to say. There's, like I said earlier, there's just like a few like little points here and there. Like maybe if I had uh, the editing scissors, I might have trimmed that or chopped that or changed that. But it's, Nothing, nothing that would do any big major sweeping change to the film. I just really love this one. Julian, we're going back around this time. What don't you like about this movie? What would you change if you could? 
probably the only thing I would change is really um, considering because we watched the dub version. Mm -hmm. I wish they would do they would clean up the negatives a little bit on them. It seems like for the Japanese version, they're beautiful. But the American ones, they kind of don't treat them the same. Yeah. And they're just kind of like, eh, eh, it doesn't need the brush up. But sometimes I want to see that because sometimes people won't see the Japanese version. So we're going to see the American versions. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally appreciate both versions mm -hmm. as well. I wish, I wish that there was some way to do that. Uh, and maybe somebody does know a way. I don't know the ins and out of photo or not photo film retouching and stuff like that. But, uh, It'd be nice if we got like a high quality version that looked as good as the Japanese yeah. uh, Blu-ray does. Uh, Rachel, it's time to really stick it to Mothra versus Godzilla. I don't, Brian. Have you better be thinking about something I, over there. <laughs> I can't think of a thing. I really yeah. enjoy this film. So, where would you rank this in the the grand scheme of things of mm. of, mo of giant monster movies from Japan? That's tough. I, I know. I'm I putting you say, on, I on know, the spot. You're for putting this, me but... on the spot. I know. I, I need to make my <laughs> top 10 list. I would say it probably would fall into top five because it is a memorable one for me. I, I did remember a lot of it when watching it again. Yeah. You know, because it, it is beautifully done. I like the way they do the coloring in the film and the story is beautiful. But now I'm just talking about things I like. Yeah. I'm yeah totally yeah. not answering the question. I can't say it. Okay. <laughs> That's completely valid. <laughs> Brian, you got anything that you that bugs you about the movie? Uh, unfortunately not. I mean, yeah. uh any anything that I could uh criticize in this movie is something that you could criticize any of the Godzilla movies for, which would be, you know, kind of like scenes of like the military gearing up and and like them drawing out their plans. We see that scene a million times in these movies, so it gets. And they're a lot old. worse in some of the other True. films. Like yeah. when we watched War of the Gargantuas, like yeah, really, do we need to watch this for yeah. this long? But yeah, I, I hear you, man. All right, Martin, it's your go, man. Well, I've, I've so I said my piece about the suit. Yeah, yeah. You and don't I apologize to. if there is going to be hate <laughs> mail about that or Get anything. <laughs> um, there was actually, I really, there's not a lot that I would pick on with this one. There was a couple of of shots. I mean, it's it, this is one of those where I enjoyed it so much where I'm not even capable of picking on the whole movie for whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I'm capable of picking on a couple of shots, and I'm a feeling. I feel that this was the maybe kind of experimenting, or they were trying to get an effect, and it didn't work on me. Okay, it's the one where Mothra is is around the back of Godzilla. And it's just, it's sped up so fast and there's like stuff going around and I'm, I'm watching it going, but the, the, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> oh, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the sped up version of the film. It was really sped up and I felt like the they were trying to like jerk the camera around side to side too, uh, trying to get, I don't know what the feeling was, but the, it, it happened really quick. There were, it's really there were frenetic shots. Yeah. The adult Mothra, when th there's a, there's actually several shots where they've used the opposite of what they normally do. So normally they right. crank up the film speed so that when you watch it back at a normal frame rate, it's slow motion. Exactly. But with Mothra, because you don't want to slow down this moth, because moths, you know, their wings flap very fast, you know, they did the opposite. So they shot at a lower frame rate. So they're, she's sped up. And I think yeah. they really did try to make it sped up and not 
involving Godzilla so much. Right. Because there's a there's a shot specifically where Mothra flies away and Godzilla gets blown back. Mm-hmm. And then he falls into a big ditch. Yep. And like they cut from one, like right when Godzilla falls back, like they, they tried, I think, but you know, I totally can see where, what you're saying there about the, it not really matching up or being a little hard on the eyes. They they were really hard. Yeah. And that one in particular just felt like you're, you're just so close to it all and there was no depth of field or anything. And it's all just so. Like you said, it's really frenetic and it's yeah. really close and it's all just happening so fast and it just they were they were going for an effect and they probably did that effect as best as they possibly could. Right on, moving on to Mr. Dean. I will say, um right now, forty five year old me doesn't really have any negative comments about this film. But seven year old me, when yeah. I first saw this film, I was very kind of like the climax was like, What? They just cocooned him and he falls into the water. I remember being, <laughs> I didn't appreciate this film until a little bit later. I yeah. Remember, you know, yeah. I unfortunately on how well don't it's have made, that. Yeah. But when I first saw it as a kid, I, I you know, I liked Mechagodzilla better and King Kong vs. Godzilla better because those are the ones that were always on these yeah. three the I, most. And I remember just, I mean, I love this movie, but as a, you know, as, as a child, I remember the ending being kind of like, they just, sh- you know, cocoon him and he falls in the water. I yeah. wanted something a little bit more bombastic exploding and, yeah, yeah, yeah explosions like that, but, and yeah. yeah i could see that i could see that. i i could see that being a slight disappointment for but just a slight one tiny yes. little disappointment uh adam man you're the last one on deck for the negativity well i have two things uh one's relatively minor which is that after godzilla well either defeats mothra or mothra is dying at least Mm -hmm. and then he makes a really long detour for the military to take shots at him for the next 10 minutes that could be excised really without any problem with the rest of the plot or or anything i I think it, it, it halts up the momentum and you know that nothing of consequence is going to happen the military isn't going to win they're not even going to damage him the nothing they do is going to have any effect um so that could have been cut out and and jumped right back into and now hatching but um kind of more about the movie in general that always somewhat bothered me and as an adult still bothers me uh kind of goes to the very basic premise now uh i'm making some assumptions here but um mothra had happened much more recently um in ter- to this movie than Godzilla's debut. Mothra yeah, yeah. was being viewed as the good guy of all of this, not only just how it was painted in the movie, but was actually has top billing in Japan at least. That it's- is true. That is true. And uh, so I- I'm assuming that that rather than any kind of brilliant idea on somebody's part about that came wholly without any kind of commercial sense uh, regarding pitting these two monsters together, that somebody thought, let's have a sequel and we'll pit mothra a popular monster versus godzilla an evil popular monster and then someone had to make some had some thoughts along the lines of well how would a giant moth fight a giant (laughs) lizard and then they start coming out with well could grab his tail the little larvae could bite the tail and then you could just kind of drag him around Ooh, big winds and at the end uh cocoon him um and it just seems so disparate and uh and that kind of 
You know, it's it's obvious that they're making an effort to come up with reasons or ways that a giant moth would fight a giant Godzilla. Um, and at sometimes sometimes it works better than others, but the overall effect is fine because I actually end up taking away from it that well, this is impractical. But if you were to put these two impractical monsters together, it would probably play out a bit like this. It's interesting that that's what you sort of focused on in your second point because I think that's essentially kind of the issue that a lot of people take with. Mothra as an opponent to Godzilla is that how can a moth, a bug, defeat the king of the monsters, you know, that's got this powerful ray and he's, you know, seen scrapping with King Kong and almost has, you know, Kong down on the, you know, it's just one of those things that really does bother Godzilla fans at the core, but a lot of people like also enjoy Mothra on some you know level. Why? Because and Mothra has magic. Mothra. <laughs> you know, as as funny as it is that you say that, Mothra is a fantastical element. When we were talking about the uh the Heisei Mothra series, those aren't science fiction films anymore. I mean these films are border borderline science fiction anyway. So they they have a fantastical element to them that I think it's interesting that, I mean, I wouldn't say Godzilla has a fantastical element to it. The first movie, and then bringing Mothra in, it does sort of perfectly meshes the two genres. It doesn't perfectly do it, but it's it does mesh the two genres together. Mothra has like a fairy tale quality to it. Literally, yes. Yes, yeah, yes. You know, and... And actually, I will say, uh, you know, we've been talking for a little while about this whole movie, which is is a ton of fun and everything. But the um, a majority of of my knowledge for this film and what I know about the behind the scenes stuff comes from the commentary by Ed Gojicheski and uh, Steve Rifle. If you have not heard it, it's fantastic. Um, it's they they bring up so many good points. I actually at one point considered writing down all of my favorite points that they brought up throughout that commentary and then just rattling them off but I didn't want to I didn't want to do that that would be boring yeah but the problem of of Mothra as an opponent for Godzilla is is something that I think a lot of people can at least re- relate to for sure uh I'm definitely more of a fan when he's fighting Ghidra than than fighting Mothra but I definitely recognize Mothra's abilities and and mothra's abilities change over the years you know we do get all of a sudden like in the heisei era like uh the pollen makes godzilla's breath uh beam refract back back on him and stuff like that it's i don't know i i i I definitely appreciate mothra for what what she brings to the godzilla series and that sometimes is fantastical um i think uh probably time to move on to final thoughts adam I think we've all pretty much summarized <laughs> yeah. this as much as covered possible. it all. But uh, I, I guess the final thought would be that if you're a, a, any bit of a Godzilla fan and you haven't seen this movie, then you're very much missing out. Yeah, I agree with Adam. This is like you know one of the essential movies you have to see in the Godzilla canon. If you're a fan, that's a good one to start out with too. I think show people. Yeah, you think it's a good starting point, jumping off point. Sure. Got two of the most iconic monsters, you know. They definitely come back again and again. Yes. What about you, Martin? Yeah, I, I definitely think this is one. This is a, a would be a good starter movie for anyone who hadn't seen them before. Uh, despite where it may jump in in any of the lineage, I think it's a really good one. It's very enjoyable. Should this have been the first one I showed you? Because uh, I know you weren't completely 
uh, a virgin to Godzilla movies when when we met, but you mm-hmm. definitely, I would imagine that your life has changed significantly, <laughs> Godzilla wise. Yeah, since we've, a, we've hung out. Not a virgin, but very conservative. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> sure, that tactic works. Eh? We can talk about that. Godzilla. Anyway, I, uh, uh, I yeah, do wish I bad. had seen this one earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brian. Yeah, this one is definitely in the top 10. It's, uh, yeah, it's iconic. It's all the things that we've been saying. It's, it's almost flawless. There's really nothing, nothing bad about it. So. Cool. You got anything else to add to that, Rachel? Extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Julian. Uh, this one I always have uh, up there on my list. It's always number two on my top uh, five Godzilla films because it was the first one I ever saw in the theater. I'm, I'll never forget it. It was just amazing to watch on a big screen. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, as far as final thoughts for me goes, and you know, we've, we've basically talked, hit upon so many talking points for this film. Uh, and I just really have to add that, you know, as a 50th anniversary thank you if uh, if anybody out there in the ether that was producing this movie Honda uh Sekizawa Eiji Tsuburaya if there's any way that they could you know understand English I'm just sending out positive oh my god I love this movie vibes into the into the atmosphere because I wish that they could look back not look back but look forward i guess to to see how well loved this movie is by godzilla fans and to me this is definitely in the upper echelon of godzilla films it's it's fantastic and uh i think that concludes my final thoughts for this movie uh definitely definitely is in the show this to newbies and show this to kaiju fans and never stop watching category we did get a lot of homework in one of the perks of being a top-level supporter of the Kaiju Cast is that you get to send in your Daikaiju discussion homework via voicemail. So we'll start things off with two of our Kaiju colonels, Jace and Benjamin. In some ways, Mothra vs. Godzilla can be said to be one of the greatest Kaiju films of all time, and I mean that sincerely. What drives this film is not its effects work. The Subarai may do with what he had to work with quite well. Indeed, it is the context of, a, of the rise of the new capitalism on the ashes of World War II that drives the narrative. We have profiteers who are seeking to take advantage of every situation from natural disasters to the emergence of new forms of life, Mothra's egg, in order to turn a profit. These villains still remain all too human, in one scene displaying a human desire for, dr- for their justly earned pay. Indeed, it is the characters that drive this film, with a winning combination of a formula of scientists and journalists. It seems to me that the best kaiju films always follow this formula rather than a militaristic one, a formula which embodies an approach to monstrosity as a warning. The classical term in Latin for, from which we get the word monster simultaneously means a warning and an instruction on what to do about nature's imbalance. Scientists have the role of investigating this truth, and journalists have the responsibility to report this truth to the public. If nothing else is asked, why does that monsters always emerge from the South Pacific? A good answer might be a return to the idea that these kaiju increasingly come to stand for, among other things, to be sure, Japan's bad conscience over its role in the Second World War. The conversations on Infant Island suggest that Sakai, Junko, and Miura all feel responsibility for the fate the island has suffered at the hands of nuclear testing and other outside influences. They appeal to a common humanism between the islanders and the Japanese in order to get Mothra's help, and if anything, Mothra seems to be the most convinced by this argument. In the end, Mothra represents hope in this film and Godzilla the dread of a repeat of recent events. This is a serious movie in the fashion of the original Gojira, Rodan, Iran, and so on. 
The next installment in the series began to move towards entertaining without depth, with touch, which has its own benefits for the genre, to be sure, if this film captured real heart. Following the safety things from Godzilla in the film, this is the last time we will see him as a pure menace, is what Tanaka calls the sacred beast of the apocalypse, at least until the Heisei series. The destruction of the power plant and the castle all position him as a force of nature which cannot be stopped by anything other than miraculous intervention. And the end Mothra and her two largely accomplished this feat, restoring some balance to the natural order. What makes this film the last instance so powerful is that it is a truly human story, with kaiju seamlessly woven into the narrative. One does not experience this film without some sense of gravity and commitment to its narrative particularly during the scene on Infant Island. For those who want a substantial and powerful kaiju film with a strong human element, this is hands down one of the best. The result of the right filmmakers producing this movie at the right time in Japan's cinematic history, Mothra vs. Godzilla remains classic nearly 50 years from its premiere. One of the many interesting things about this movie is the title, as it is Mothra, not Godzilla, that gets top billing. From a technical standpoint, you could argue that this is because Mothra is the good guy of the story, and you wouldn't be wrong. Godzilla, while playing to form as a destructive, though not exactly malevolent force of nature, needs to be stopped, and Mothra is the one to do it. But rather than just receive that top spot on the marquee by default, Mothra earns it. The film featured one of Godzilla's most menacing and well-beloved appearances. With those pronounced claws and that hooded 100-mile stare, how did Mothra, a fragile insect, compete? with sheer ferocity and tactics. That's how. During the film's first kaiju battle, Mothra sped in from the Pacific and went on the offensive. Like a lepidopter and hawk, with chitinous mandibles instead of a curved beak, six claws instead of two, and poisonous scales instead of feathers, Mothra harrowed Godzilla in one of the best fights of the series. Even after Godzilla eventually hastened Mothra's already impending demise, her offspring would take the fight back to Godzilla in the film's climactic battle. Using their small size and maneuverability, the Mothra twins utilize the terrain of Iwa Island to execute hit-and-run tactics on Godzilla, eventually sending him back to his watery slumber, swaddled in a silken blanket. Now while Godzilla would soon rise again and be the driving force behind the franchise, this movie definitely solidified Mothra's reputation, not only as one of Toa's truly benevolent kaiju, but as an enduring character and box office draw for years to follow. Big thanks to those guys, and if you want to join the ranks of the Kaiju Corps, just go to kaijucast.com slash support for the details. Now, on to the rest of the homework. Herman thinks that this film is so loved, partly because Godzilla as a character is treated with proper respect. He doesn't act silly or like a human. The humans act appropriately terrified of him, treating him as a walking Armageddon. Godzilla's appearance is awesome in this movie. When you look at Godzilla's face with that permanent scowl, you can just feel your impending doom. His only gripe with the film is that he doesn't like seeing Godzilla lose to anyone. And to make it worse, he lost to Mothra. Even as, <laughs> he, even as a six-year-old, he never understood how Godzilla could body slam someone like King Ghidra by his necks even, and yet not be able to beat up a couple of ugly giant worms. This is another thing that makes GMK so sweet. Seeing Godzilla finally swat Mothra out of the sky, like the annoying pest she is, was splendid. Sometimes Herman watches the last few minutes of Godzilla vs. the Thing, and then puts on GMK to go straight to the scene where Godzilla burns her up. Revenge! <laughs> He's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years since Mozura Tai Gojira has come out, and it's Johnny's favorite Godzilla film because of Godzilla Mayhem. It has some of the most epic battles in Godzilla movie history, 
and both Akira Takarada, the lead from Godzilla, and Hiroshi Koizumi, the lead from Mothra, team up in the same film for the very first time. In Johnny's mind, there is nothing wrong with the movie, and it's the perfect film to get everyone hooked into Godzilla. He gives the film an outstanding five Godzilla films out of five. Gary, his wife Amanda, and their 11-year-old kaiju cadet Kyle, not me, obviously, uh, watched the English dub of Mothra vs. Godzilla. They all enjoyed the humor of the movie, and uh, along with the Ifukube music, Individually, this was Gary's seventh or eighth time watching this, and he was very impressed by the special effects that involved water. But what he really noticed was the use of all the extras. It really made the crowd scenes very realistic. In the neg- on the negative side, Gary's not a fan of Mothra. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I want everyone to know that I told Jeff he had to be here tonight. Not not just that he wanted to be here, but because he got referenced so many times in the homework, he had to be here. Uh, where was I? Let's see. I think he was slamming Mothra. Uh, <laughs> That's why I had to be here. And didn't... Yeah. Not a fan of Mothra and didn't think she was a worthy foe for Godzilla. Just turn on a bright light. Mothra will be drawn to it and slam. No more Mothra. <laughs> he gives it 7 out of 10 atomic blasts. Uh, his son Kyle had seen this movie three times before and was impressed by the special effects but didn't like that Godzilla couldn't beat the two larvae. He gives it 8.5 atomic blasts out of 10. Uh, his wife Amanda had seen this three times before as well. Her favorite parts were how Jiro was always eating an egg. But as a mother, she didn't like that the two baby larva Mothras should fight Godzilla. Amanda is not a Godzilla fan, however. She just puts up with Kyle's and Gary's obsession with the big guy. <laughs> she gives it four atomic blasts out of ten. Steve notes that the word classic gets thrown around a lot, as does the word epic. It diminishes the power of the words. For this particular Godzilla film, Steve feels is an epic classic. So much has been said about it that Steve feels all he would be doing is repeating the obvious. So let's just leave it at that. Epic classic. Nuff said. Nuff said. This was Robin's first time watching Mothra vs. Godzilla, and he was worried that having already seen their clash from 1992, that it would have spoiled everything. Although they have a lot in common, they diverge enough to be two separate movies, instead of the one from 92 just being a remake. He has a hard time picking which he liked best. Robin enjoyed the mood-setting storm at the beginning, found the journalist angle of the protagonist to be interesting, and for some reason really dug Junko's outfits and caps. Yu Fujita's egg-eating was a delight, and not having the Indiana Jones stuff like in Godzilla vs. Mothra from 92 (laughs) really worked in this film's favor. Robin watched the Japanese version, since hearing the sound clips from the English dub on the Kaiju cast had given him the impression that this film would be a lot sillier than he actually found it to be. Totally not silly. It's about a giant moth and little twin fairies. It's not silly. Uh, Godzilla's entrance in the movie when he first got to the city was very undignified, getting his, stale t- his tail stuck in the radio tower, flailing frantically and then almost falling face first into the pavement, just barely finding his balance just in time to get whacked with the radio tower. And then he gets to the castle and trips on the moat, all clumsy, and oh no, I'm falling down the stairs like, was he drunk? See, that's my my <laughs> my story. Uh, was that the reason that Mothra could tip him over so e- easily with her wind gusts? Too bad they had to kill off the adult Mothra. Robin liked that form much better than the larva, and he doesn't think that Godzilla falling into the water covered in Mothra silk is a very convincing victory, which takes us to the movie's low point the random insertion of school children trapped on an island 
needing to be saved out of nowhere. I do agree that is probably the weakest part of the movie just because it's you've already sort of finished a great story. Anyway, I'm going to let him get back to it. All in all, he had a good time watching the film, but Robin liked the first half the most. This is one of Jason's top five Godzilla movies. It's well-paced and excellently done. To keep it brief, his favorite element from a movie full of good things is that Mothra wins. It is nice to see that even the king of monsters can have a setback. Mothra vs. Godzilla is a favorite of Adam's and a good example of Toho at their peak. Mothra's second screen appearance was a distinct improvement over the, her first as she was given greater flexibility, a slight flutter at the wingtips, a twisting head and radio-controlled twitching legs, all went into making a more convincingly vibrant insect. The fight between Mothra versus Godzilla is the penultimate battle between good and evil. It has real drama and conveys a sense of urgency, heightened by the awareness of the egg's vulnerability and Mothra's own weakened condition. Very quick-paced, action-packed, well-structured, suspenseful, and quickly resolved as opposed to protracted fights yet to come. Perhaps it's even Tsuburaya's finest monster battle. Not to say there aren't downsides to the movie, the villains of Torahata and Kumiyama mainly come off as stereotypically greedy villains that fit more in with Captain Planet than they do in this film. Additionally, Godzilla's embodiment of man's tampering with nuclear power has been downplayed and relegated to a comedy, as now one can just get decontaminated by standing in pink smoke. Lastly, the casual nature of traveling to Infant Island as our three protagonists look like they're more on a holiday trip to the South Seas resort compared to the expedition in the original Mothra, where the entire island was a death trap. Adam has read that this was due to the Japanese showing interest in the South Seas for vacations around the time this movie was being made. Mothra vs. Godzilla, aka Godzilla vs. The Thing, definitely the greatest movie ever, but perhaps not the best legal defense case to argue. Mitchell says that Mothra vs. Godzilla is one of the best out of the Showa series of Godzilla and is one of his personal favorites. Kenji Sahara was, in his opinion, one of the best villains in a Godzilla movie. For this viewing, Mike started watching the Japanese version, stopped at the appropriate spot, and switched to the American version for the Frontier missile sequence, then back to the Japanese to finish it off. This is rightfully considered the pinnacle of Showa-era Toho fantasy filmmaking, and there's not a whole lot left to say about it that hasn't been elaborated on over the years. But here are what Mike considers a few unique or not often discussed observances. One... As impressive as the Frontier missile sequence is, it's undermined by the fact that we never actually get to see any of the missiles strike Godzilla. He knows the size of those pyrotechnics probably would have done the suit in, not to mention Mr. Nakajima, but couldn't they have tried superimposing some explosions over Godzilla? Two, the Shobijin, small beauties, or Alinas, dress in generic native attire in all of their film appearances except for this one. For whatever reason, in this movie, they dress like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Three, shouldn't that hotel have been evacuated well before Godzilla got within a mile of it? Four, considering what happens to Relisica, shouldn't the government have been more active in seeing Mothra's egg returned? I totally agree with that. <laughs> like, But there's a, uh, really quickly, I will say that there's a, a tendency in these movies to not rely on the previous film's information, especially in the Showa era. I, I don't see a lot of it happening. You know, not a lot of people go, oh, hey, remember when uh, Ghidra attacked three movies ago? You know, um, number five, despite Godzilla being viewed as a major threat, it seems that at least half of his destructive acts result from accidental clumsiness rather than outright maliciousness. 
Six, there is one huge scale faux pas. When the Mothra fairies announce that they're returning to Infant Island, we see, we then see Mothra fly away and we can briefly glimpse the two atop her head. They would have had to have at least been 20 feet tall for that to be possible. Speaking of which, number seven, how is it that Mothra was able to hide in the area with no one noticing? Or is invisibility another one of her hidden talents? Nitpicks aside, this is Mike's favorite film in the entire series, apart from the first one, and his favorite Godzilla suit, which was filmed less impressively in Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Ian notes that all of the elements that make a great movie seem to fall into place for the fourth film in the budding Godzilla franchise. The actors took their role seriously when it came to the human story, which transitions effectively to the not one, but two giant monster fights that help climax the film. E.G. Tsuburaya's effects team seemed to be working overtime, as just about every element that they worked on was practically perfect. How appropriate that the discussion for what may be Danny's all-time favorite Godzilla film should fall so near to his 21st birthday. While he'll usually cite the original Godzilla as his favorite, when it comes to the franchise as a whole, it's hard to beat the great Mothra vs. Godzilla in terms of fun, wonder, excitement, and sheer spectacle. The film is honestly a masterpiece of the genre, and Danny truly believes it is the greatest of all the Godzilla sequels. August Ragoni dubbed this film a monster opus, and the term is apt. The film is, in a strange way, perfect. From the story and the characters to the acting, the special effects, including one of the greatest of all Godzilla designs, and his favorite suit, the directing and the music, simply everything works and comes together to create something amazing. The film is a brilliant hybrid between the more serious, threatening kaiju films of the 50s and the more fun, adventurous, and family-friendly films that had followed Shinichi Sekizawa's light-hearted Mothra. This would be Godzilla's final appearance as a horrifying destroyer for 20 years, and the Mothra formula would ultimately become the kaiju Iega standard for the Showa era. For this final attempt at a serious film, Honda gives us one of the last great messages of the series. Mankind must put aside their differences and suspicions to help each other, and to overcome hardship. Danny finds it very interesting that in the end, it is Mothra who understands this message, and sacrificed her life to save the people who brought such harm to her people. All in the name of unity. This morality is one reason Mothra is Danny's favorite monster. High five to Jeff. I'll do that for you. Uh, and one of the, and one reason the film itself is so special. It will always be particularly special to him because it was his first Godzilla film. He'll always remember finding it at the library after seeing the first half of Godzilla 2000. The film was a revelation and looking back, he gives both Godzilla vs. the Thing and Godzilla 2000 credit for making him a Godzilla fan. And for that, Danny will always be grateful. Happy 50th birthday, Mothra vs. Godzilla. He was inspired to do similar Daikaiju discussions with his friends in preparation for the upcoming Godzilla film in May. None of them had seen these films in their entirety, so our question was, would you show this to a non-Godzilla fan? It's currently in practice with us. Pete showed his uh, showed this film back-to-back with Godzilla 2000s, and the group was delightfully surprised and all enjoyed both films. Best comment came from the particularly finicky movie guy who said, this certainly did not suck. High praise from him indeed. They're continuing this month with the goofier side of Godzilla with King Kong vs. Godzilla and Ebra the Sea Monster. That is, if the beer doesn't claim them first, thanks for the inspiration. For John, Mothra vs. Godzilla is the perfect Godzilla film, 
The powers at Toho were able to seamlessly combine the magic and mystery of Mothra and the Shobijin with the horror and destructive force of Godzilla. The script is solid and never loses you in the unnecessary moments. The special effects are among the best in the series. Just look at the Mothra flying. You'll be hard-pressed to find a wire holding that marionette up. The Godzilla suit is outstanding. Nakajima gave Godzilla a real animalistic quality and never made him do anything that would be qualified as silly. When watching the Japanese version, you will be treated to some great acting. That said, you will also find that the voice actors in the American version also did a nice job by actually putting some emotion into their performances. The score was one of Ifukube's best. John loves how he mixed the two monster themes together into one classic piece, and he would confidently show this film to someone new to the genre. Gil loves Mothra vs. Godzilla, so he had to comment on this film. This movie cements the Godzilla legend. Godzilla appears rising from the ground and the military throws everything at him. Ships, tanks, planes, and even an electrified net. And let's not forget Godzilla's head on fire. How awesome did that look? And he just walks through it all. And then comes Mothra, a giant butterfly, which I don't know is technically correct, (laughs) who can fly and fly and she flies rings around Godzilla, taking the odd pop behind his back and basically pissing him off. But she gets hit in the end, and the Icky Twins pop out of the egg to save the day. It's just a fun film from the human, uh, from the humans to the kaiju. Really, the perfect kaiju movie. Rich says, best Godzilla film so far. It's the last Showa film to take the big G seriously, with substantial film quality, miniature, and monster suit improvements over the first three films. The characters are interesting in a more or less sensible plot. Even if we have no more idea what Happy Enterprises is going to do with a hatched Mothra than what Pacific Pharmaceuticals was going to do with Kong, the monster fights were okay, if not exceptional, but the Godzilla versus military fights are unparalleled in any movie. The military is more is more than a prop and gives Godzilla a rough time with both the artificial lightning and, in the dubbed U.S. version, the Navy Frontier missiles. Speaking of the dubbed version, Rich thinks this movie started a short trend continuing in Ghidra where the dubbed American film was arguably better edited and written than the Japanese original, possibly leading to the content merger in Monster Zero. Great movie. Effects stand up half a century later in the age of CGI, movie characters, and the storyline keep your attention. Godzilla vs. The Thing has been one of Mark's favorite Godzilla movies since first seeing it on Creature Features with Bob Wilkins back in the early 70s. It occurred to him that people might not give soundtrack feedback, but Mark wants you all to know that he uses the soundtrack for workouts and housework. Track 28, Mothra vs. Godzilla 2, is his favorite. The movie was a favorite because of the little faults, like Godzilla slipping into the building and his mouth wiggling. The bottom line is that this is in Mark's top three. For Connor, the original Mothra and Godzilla. Jeff, I'm so sorry to do this to you. This is this is the last one. <laughs> for Connor, the original Mothra and Godzilla versus the Thing are the only exceptions for Mothra to be in a movie. Otherwise, Mothra ruins movies for him. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is what kicked off Connor's obsession with Godzilla, so it will always have a soft spot in his heart. Connor gives this movie 7.5 stars, and he would not show this to a new kaiju fan. Wow. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. 7.5 stars, and he wouldn't show it to a new kaiju fan. That's okay, though. You know, everybody is entitled to their own uh, opinion about the film. Uh, and seriously, speaking of those opinions, thank you guys all so much for, uh, for, for helping out and sitting in your homework. Thank you guys for coming in and recording and, uh, and helping out with the homework as well. I know my voice and brain sure appreciate it as well do <laughs> as well as my eyes too. We are going to take a quick break before we begin the news segment and we're going to play Roar from Cloverfield.
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So normally I say, eh, not a lot of news to cover this month, but this is uh, totally not the case. And uh, thank you, world and universe, for pouring all this news on such a long episode with Mothra vs. Godzilla for our Deck Kaiju discussion. Uh, starting with stuff that came out today, which is February 24th, Legendary Pictures released this uh, SoundCloud bite called Roar. It's the roar of Godzilla. Have you guys heard it? Both of you guys heard it? I've, I heard it, but I think it was like an extended, like they stretched the sound a bit. No, I think it's just supposed to be it. Can you play it for us? I sure can. I tell you what, before we play the roar, um, they also released some dialogue from Brian Cranston. And so what I am <coughs> going to do is we're going to play both of them. First, the di- the, first the dialogue and then the roar. And then we can, uh, we can chat about it. Fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. You're hiding something out there. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. This is what caused everything in the first place. Don't you see that? And it is going to send us back to the Stone Age. You have no idea what's coming. There you go. So I mixed them together at the end there, obviously. But Oh, I was wondering. Yeah, it was very, it's very long. I want to say it's 20 seconds. Just the roar itself is a 20-second SoundCloud file. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long, long roar. I mean, I could get my phone out and like <laughs> play the other one. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the dialogue, I love the dialogue. Uh, and I have, a, I have a friend at work who... Is a big fan of Breaking Bad, so he's a big, uh, big fan of Brian Cranston, and he essentially was like, he heard that today, and he was like, "Ah, oh, he's such a good actor." And I agree, it sounds really good, really intense. Is that yes. what you said? Yeah, very intense, intense acting. Uh, what did you think of the roar? Love it. Uh, obviously, un- un- unmistakably harkens to the original classic Godzilla roar but filtered as what I'm hoping for this entire movie filtered through a much more modern um at both realistic and indulgent end that 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 last like the, the <laughs> echo yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it's just I loved it it's everything I'm hoping this movie is going to be um and just uh because I can this is this is the one that I pulled off of the uh the first legendary teaser which is 11 seconds sure it wasn't as loud but yeah it's so you can see how it's extended in the, in the newer yeah. version of it yeah well i'm sure he'll roar multiple times in the movie uh, i would hope so he better <laughs> he better <laughs> he better uh but you know that was uh those are the big news bites for today and uh and actually we're we're at the tail end of today. It's 11.24 p.m. Thank you guys for sticking around. And uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m., they're going to actually debut the trailer. So I'm going to be... 10 a.m. Ins- Eastern or Pacific? Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be inserting a mini reaction 
I don't know if I should like buy a bottle of champagne first thing in the morning so when it pops, I <laughs> pop, yay. Yeah, you should. About time. Uh, then the biggest news is that uh, Legendary released a poster. You know, they had this this poster for Godzilla that's in theaters right now. The poster is in theaters. Uh, the Halo jumpers coming down. You can just barely see Godzilla's spikes through the clouds. And this new poster has Godzilla uh, walking through San Francisco. Of course, it is a very, very, very large Godzilla. Uh, but I thought it was awesome. I definitely like it better than the, than the Halo jumper poster. Did you guys see the yeah. poster? Yes. I like that one a lot. That It's really just awesome to look at that image. And I, I really like the... It's like, cool, I can get a look at the skin texture and how it looks, whereas in the trailer you just get the silhouette, which is pretty amazing. I'm glad they're not, you know, showing all their cards right yeah. off the bat. I kind of like that they're kind of pacing it because, I mean, like anything else you had mentioned earlier with trailers, they usually show you the whole movie Yeah, in, yeah. in the trailer. It's like, wow, if there's anything to surprise me, I already saw it. Yeah, and I'm going to watch this trailer tomorrow, and that's, I, as I said earlier tonight, like, that's it. I don't need to see anything else, because they've essentially already got my money for that screening, unless uh, unless something just horrible happens, to There's, me personally. There, yeah, I was going to say, there, even if you hear that it's just the worst thing ever, worse than the 1998 Godzilla movie, you're oh, going to go watch I it. I don't think so. No, no, I just meant, like, in case I get hit by a bus or something oh, like that. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, they've they've got my money. I'm definitely going to see it at least once in the theater. I, I, since I already mentioned it, uh, it, it is worth noting that this was the exact same tactic uh, that was used for the 1998 Godzilla movie, mm. that his appearance was shrouded, uh, advertisements talked about, made comparisons as to how big he would be, but showed nothing uh, in the days leading up to... The movie commercials started showing ever bit more the day before the one commercial ended with like a, a split half second clip of Godzilla, uh, like chomping or the helicopter. The helicopter. helicopter. Yeah. So I, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone that they're being um, calculated and coy with the reveal. Yeah, it's not that I disagree with you, but I had a different stance on it about a week ago. And then once Toy Fair happened... You know, the thing is, as a, as a diehard Godzilla fan, I've already seen the monster. Yes. You know, if mm-hmm. you're, if you're a rabid Godzilla fan, you've probably seen the maquettes. You've seen the concept art. You've seen stuff that's, that's always been held back, uh, from a certain, <laughs> a certain standpoint. You know, legendary tries to shut that stuff down very quickly, but you've already seen what the monster looks like and anything that I've seen officially that's hinting at it, it's just really sets it in concrete in my mind that yes, I know what the monster looks like and I don't, I'm, I'm happy to see the next trailer and I know that the, um, we'll talk about it in a second. This, uh, embargo gets lifted, uh, from toy manufacturers a little bit later, but you know, I, now I'm actually more interested in the mystery of what are the Muto, you know, situation there. Like, what's that going to be? We know it's going to be some monsters and, and uh, Godzilla is not going to be alone. So I'm still, I'm still hopefully uh, or co- cautiously optimistic about the film. And, and uh, uh, apparently slash from, you know, guns and roses fame has seen an early cut of Godzilla and says, quote, spoiler alert. I wish I knew how slash talked otherwise I'd do so. spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> the new Godzilla is pretty effing epic. <laughs> so on early screening, it's badass. 
Cast is great too. Just saying. Yes. Is that good? Is that yes. pretty good? Okay. That's a good slash. Uh, yeah. So I'll have a, I'll have a link in the show notes to the SoundCloud link, the legendary Godzilla movie.com awaken the truth thing. So you can hear the dialogue if you want to. Uh, the poster, a link to the yahoo.com story. And of course, uh, a link to Slash's Twitter page in case you need to see that. <laughs> And now, some other news not involving Legendary Pictures. Uh, on March 8th, starting in Tokyo on March 8th, the Jinbocho Theater is actually going to be showing every single Godzilla movie. Uh, I believe it's leading up to the Japanese release of that film. And it's not in order, too. They're sort of putting them in a weird order, but it sounds really cool. If you're in Japan, listening in Japan... That's awesome that you're there. You should check it out, especially if you're in the Tokyo area. Uh, speaking of theatrical screenings, the Rialto Pictures Godzilla print that we saw in 2004, I guess, is getting a digital restoration and will be released in theaters across the U.S., uh, which includes here in Portland, the Hollywood Theater, uh, from May 2nd through the 5th. And I am going to be working on something very cool for that. I will announce it when it is... Uh, actually able to happen but if you're in portland mark your calendars for that weekend because the original godzilla will be at the hollywood theater also if you're not in portland check the link in the show notes to the filmforum.org website so you can see where that is playing you guys caught that when the rialto distributed that to the theaters in 2004 right i was actually doing the new york comic con and it had just left and they were promoting the host and i didn't get to see that because i was working the con so I missed it. I want to see that on the big screen big time. Right on. Well, hopefully it's playing in Phoenix somewhere. I hope so. I haven't checked. I'm hoping someone will do it. Well, check a link in that show notes. <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, next up, Toy Fair was this past weekend. Toy Fair, of course, is the gigantic event in New York City where all the manufacturers of toys show their upcoming lines throughout the entire year. And because toy manufacturers uh, are making Godzilla figures, there were Godzilla things on display. There was a very, very strict embargo. You couldn't take photos of stuff. Nothing was on public display that involved the Legendary Pictures stuff. But what we do know is that Diamond Comics distributors... Uh, showcase their X plus line. So like these two dudes, the Varan and the Mothra, uh, versus Godzilla suit. And, uh, you know, probably about five or six figures were on display at their booth. Diamond Select Toys showed their line of banks, which are really cheap. These are pretty. You know, I gave, uh, Rachel for her Christmas present. I gave her the creature from the Black Lagoon bank from them it is phenomenal i mean just that's a sculpture alone it's fantastic so uh the the one they showed that really struck me for the godzilla line was ghidra it looks freaking awesome did you see that man i'll have to show you a picture before you leave okay uh in addition to the banks they also have something that every good beer drinking kaiju fan is going to need a mecha godzilla bottle opener oh my dream is come yeah it's a pocket, uh, pocket size one too. So it's just like Mechagodzilla's head. You just pop the top <laughs> on your beer. It sounds... I need a new bottle opener. <laughs> Who doesn't? I right? want that one. <laughs> uh, they also are, uh, releasing some Godzilla mini mates. Godzilla, Mothra, Gigan, and Titanosaurus are all going to be in that lineup. 
Um, in addition to those guys, Nika, the company that makes the Pacific Rim figures, they have a classic line of Godzilla figures that they are starting. They only have the 1994 one on display. And uh, if you're asking yourself, well, why are they doing 94? The other one they're doing is 84 in the uh, in the original series. So I think they're starting with sort of a decade-long look at... Uh, at Godzilla monsters. I'm not exactly sure, but the product info that I do have is that the Godzilla classic series one, they are 12 inches from head to tail, six inches tall. And let's see, they include, there's two versions, Godzilla 1984, or as we know in the States, Godzilla 1985. And the one from Godzilla versus space Godzilla, they feature 30 points of articulation. They are going to be released in July and in my opinion, if they can keep this up, they're going to be giving the SH Monster Arts guys a run for their money. Because be a lot the cheaper. price point is mm-hmm. going to be around like 20 bucks. And according to Nika, they're the company that actually uh, said that the embargo, which stops people from showing the Godzilla toys from the new series, lifts in mid-March. I want to say it's March 17th, but don't quote me on that just yet. Uh, moving on, though, there's a Kaiju bar, an Ultraman monster-themed bar, Opening March 14th in uh, Kawasaki, which is just south of Tokyo. Not too far south. I think you can still take the trains there. Uh, They are uh, taking reservations starting on March 3rd. And I don't know what's going to be there, but I have some listeners who are going to Japan. I expect full photographic reports on how awesome or maybe not awesome that bar is going to be. Uh, additionally, Mill Creek Entertainment will be releasing the complete run of Godzilla, the animated series on DVD on April 29th. Is this is the original or the, the 90s one? This is the one that came out after the, the TriStar picture. That was Got a it. good series. I that actually, was really good. I like it. Uh, it's weird because it reminds me a little bit of the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon, mm-hmm. but you know, Godzilla fights monsters. That's something that the the TriStar, the TriStar picture, I don't think, you know, definitely didn't get right because there were no monsters in there. But, like, you know, they gave him a green breath. He's mm-hmm. a little more aggressive. I, I, you know, I found it enjoyable. I watched it with my kid when it was on, for sure. I would watch it again. Uh, next up, Destroy All Draft Houses. The Wonder Bros Art, I think it's a gallery, uh, and the Alamo Draft House are teaming up for a kaiju-themed art show. I don't want to get too into it, but I'll have a link in the show notes in case you want to check that out. Uh, I think I might actually be submitting a piece of artwork for that. There is a Kickstarter campaign that I will have a link in the show notes to called Mecha versus Kaiju. It's a sci-fi anime RPG and they are currently at the time of this recording at about $2,800 and they need $3,500. So they've got 12 days to go uh, as of the 24th of February. So Check that out if that is your bag. And one final news item for the evening. Literally, as we were recording, Sci-Fi Japan released an article about Mill Creek Entertainment having the license to produce Blu-ray and DVDs of the Gamera series. Uh, There are several collections. The first is called Gamera Ultimate Collection Volume 1. Comes on Blu-ray. It'll be 20 bucks and available April 29th. It'll include Gamera the Giant Monster. Gamera versus Barugon, Gamera versus Gauss, Gamera versus Viras, 
And uh, that, let's see, looks like it'll be anamorphic widescreen, 1080p. It will have the Japanese language with English subtitles. The second is obviously Gamera Ultimate Collection Volume 2. Again, a $20 Blu-ray set that includes uh, several movies, Gamera vs. Giron, Gamera vs. Jagger, Gamera vs. Zigra, and Gamera Super Monster. Uh, same specs, Japanese language with the English subtitles and uh, anamorphic widescreen. The last in the series is the Gamera Legacy Collection. Now, this is on DVD, so not Blu-ray, and this includes all of the movies. So this is a giant box set, a four-disc four box set, which actually doesn't seem giant now that I think about it because there are like 11 Gamera movies uh, just off the top of my head. Not exactly sure. Um, that'll be $14.98 and also available April 29th. Now, uh, we've talked enough about news. Let's move on to some events around the country. On March 7th at 7 p.m. in Schenectady, New York. Now, you might be asking yourself, why are you talking about something that's happening in New York? You're not going to this. This is true, but a friend of the Kaiju cast, Scott Martin, who runs Hilltown Kaiju, one of the members of the Kaiju Bros, he is working with Proctor's Theater in Schenectady uh, to bring... Godzilla Kaiju Battle 2014, where they're going to be showing Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla and Godzilla X Megaguirus starting at 7 p.m. I'll have a link in the show notes to that event. The last weekend of March in Seattle, Washington, Emerald City Comic Con is happening the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Uh, and specifically, you guys should be interested in going to Sunday, March 30th, because I'm going to be doing a panel. And I'm going to have some special guests on that panel. David Dopko, who is a well-known kaiju collector, and Andy Campbell of Kaiju 101. And some of my co-hosts are going to be there. I know Jeff is planning on it, and I hope Heather's going to be on that as well. We are going to record that for a podcast. Uh, the panel is called Kaiju Attack, and we're going to be talking about the history of kaiju films decade by decade. I will also have a limited number of San Diego Comic-Con Godzilla posters to give away. Make sure you're there at 12.40 p.m. in Hall D, room 602 to 603, to uh, get in on that. Now, last month, we debuted a brand new feature here on the Kaiju Cast, and I thought I would just continue that with some more uh, awesome dates. Thanks to Jay uh, Grimmer's awesome blog. You should check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. And like I said last month, this is just a slice, a tiny little piece of the awesome historical events for kaiju history. On uh, February 1st, 2000, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Destroya, Rebirth of Mothra and Rebirth of Mothra 2 were released on DVD here in America. February 8th, 2006, Akira Bay, composer of many Godzilla and Toho and other kaiju sci-fi film scores. The creator of Godzilla's trademark roar, he died at the age of 91 of multiple organ failure in Tokyo. February 9th, 1977, Misato Tanaka was born. She's the actress who played Kiriko in Godzilla X Megaguirus. February 11th, 1977, The Last Dinosaur premieres in the U.S. on ABC. That is totally a movie we need to add to the Daikaiju discussions. February 15th, 1907, Cesar Romero was born in New York. You might be saying, why Cesar Romero? Well, Cesar Romero was in Latitude Zero, and he was awesome in Latitude Zero. 
Also on February 15th, but in 1938, Kojiro Hongo is born. He was in Gamera vs. Baragon, Gamera vs. Gauss, Wrath of Daimajin, along with Ghosts, and also uh, they brought him back for a brief cameo in Gamera Guardian of the Universe. February 16th, 1932, Ultra Q composer Kunio Miyauchi is born. February 19th, 2004, the live-action film Cutie Honey premiered in Japan. Um, I just threw that in there because I actually really enjoyed Cutie Honey. That was an awesome film and a lot of fun. February 19th, 2012, Yasuyuki Inoue, special effects art director for the Showa era, dies at the age of 89. Make sure you watch Bringing Godzilla Down to Size if you have not done so. It's an amazing documentary. And he is featured prominently in that documentary. February 21st, 2003, Godzilla x Mechagodzilla premieres in the U.S. at the American Film Market. Now, like I said, check out Jay's blog so you can see all of these awesome historical kaiju-related events. He has so many more things. Housekeeping items, we have a new Kaiju Corps member. Please welcome Jason Ledoux. He has enlisted at the corporal level. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. Also, our next Daikaiju discussion is Gamera versus Ziggurat. Please make sure you have your homework sent in, your questions, thoughts, and reviews sent in by March 23rd in order to get your homework included in the next discussion episode. This has been quite the episode. I don't, uh, I, I had to record several different times, so I'm not sure what the grand total is at the end of this recording, but I will say that it is time to go. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and want to know more about us, or just go to kaijucast.com in your web browser to see everything that we're about. We have all of our episodes online, uh, not just the 20 or so that are on iTunes. We also have links to all of our uh, social media networks. We have the full list of Daikaiju discussions. Just, you know, there's a fair amount of content on the website. Check it out. We are also streaming on the Mediocre Radio Network along with a bunch of other really awesome shows. So check that out as well. And if you have the Stitcher app, then you can listen to us through that as well. Anyway, I really don't have anything else to say. We are going to close out the episode with two requests and then the uh, the audio from the new Godzilla trailer. The first song we're going to play is for Jonathan, and that is the Ultra 7 theme song uh, from Ultra 7, of course. And then we're going to play Total Advance Monster by Yoshio Nomura from the Godzilla vs. Heavy Metal CD. And that is for Benjamin. We will see you next month for a very awesome Fear Fest Evil recap. And until then, Jamata. Bye.
was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. 
Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. And it is gonna send us back to the Stone Age. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They are trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming. Okay, I just had to say some words. I know the podcast is over, so this is bonus material uh, for anybody who continues to listen. So my thoughts on the trailer, right? So uh, essentially, I thought the trailer was awesome. Uh, As someone who's seen everything that they've shown to the public now, I've seen the Godzilla encounter, I've seen the the mood piece, I've seen what they showed at San Diego Comic-Con 2013 in last year's show. Uh, I, as someone who's seen all that stuff and of course the teaser trailer and now the trailer official trailer, um, I have to say that there's not anything in this trailer that I don't like. In fact, this trailer has had really the most impact. The stuff they showed at San Diego comic-con was also really cool this year, the newer stuff, but, um, this had a lot of impact because this was like a legit trailer where the the one at San Diego, you could actually tell it was it was a little bit thrown together, especially when compared to this guy here. Um, the stuff that really stands out to me uh, are the size of Godzilla. He looks absolutely huge, and I am I'm totally okay with that. Um, I'm not uh, sure what the what the grand total is going to be. I think we were kind of talking around, uh, you know, the idea of it maybe being like 200 meters tall which is a pretty big Godzilla. He's really very large. Um, uh, the other things that stood out to me specifically about Godzilla was they still don't have a big reveal, but they actually show you Godzilla's face roaring. That's a pretty strong reveal. Uh, and at this point, I am just, I'm happy with the design enough to just be like, okay, I don't need to see anything else. I know that we're going to see stuff when the toys are um, unveiled in, in mid-March, but Aside from that, I don't need to see what Godzilla looks like. And I would actually prefer to have the Muto monsters, the other kaiju in this film, whatever those are going to be, 
I would prefer to have those completely hidden. So like I would even say like the the photos of the action figures should just say like not available. So uh those those were the first things that struck me. Also I do want to mention that the trailer is very different than what we saw this year in San Diego. Uh because there was no airport scene at all in this, but there was still a ton of destruction. Really cool stuff. What else stood out to me? Um the shot where Godzilla breaches uh underneath the the aircraft carrier, that was we saw some concept art for that, and I thought it looked pretty freaking awesome. Like the as far as like matching the concept art. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean there's I'm sure there's a lot of things I could say about it, but I don't want to talk for too long. This is already too long as it is so having said that for real i mean at this time when we'll see you in march jamata